Welcome to Open Your Eyes, a podcast about empowering each of us with the perspective and tools to grow and change. Thanks for joining us today. You know, I love podcasts. It's like getting time back in your day because you can listen to podcasts while you drive, walk, exercise, or do work around the house, and you get time back because you can be learning while you're doing. So wherever you are right now, in your car, on the treadmill, or at your desk, seeking a little bit of inspiration, and whatever you're doing, I hope this podcast today helps you open your eyes to some new ways of thinking and doing. Let's get started. Today, I'd like to talk about what psychologists call the positive effect. Phil Alden Robinson was the director of several famous films such as The Sum of All Fears, Sneakers, The Band of Brothers, and more. The film that made him most famous, however, came before all of those movies. One day, as a young, unproven director, he read the book Shoeless Joe. The book was written by W.P. Kinsella. Kinsella, while on a trip to Iowa from his home in Canada, felt inspired to write a book about the unlikely pairing of Iowa and Shoeless Joe Jackson, a professional baseball player who was kicked out of baseball in 1919 and spent the rest of his life trying to get back into baseball. Shoeless Joe was perhaps the best player of his generation, who lost everything when he agreed to a bribe to throw the series. And even though Joe played to win during the series by hitting 375 and would fully confess to his mistake, and Joe and the other players who participated would be acquitted, baseball never let him play on a field ever again. And Jackson would spend the rest of his life trying to find redemption. Now, Kinsella wanted to capture this narrative that we can all find our way back, that there is redemption waiting for all of us. So he wrote a book about an Iowa farmer who built a baseball field in the middle of his farm because he heard a voice saying, if you build it, they will come. And he would build that field and Shoeless Joe would return to get back on a baseball field again. This farmer, who he named Kinsella using his own name, was also looking for redemption in his own failed relationship with his father. Well, after reading Kinsella's novel, Robinson began working on the screenplay and took the story to producer Lawrence Gordon, and Gordon took it to his studio. The studio turned it down. It was too esoteric and non-commercial. They got one negative response after another. And most people would give up after such negativity, yet Robinson kept going. He continued to work on the script. And while it improved over time, there was no positive interest. You see, Robinson was an unknown director. The script was another baseball film, and it was just peculiar enough to rarely get a positive response from studios or actors. All of that changed on one day. By chance, Robinson ran the script past actor Kevin Costner. Costner loved it. Costner's response, he thought it was a modern day, it's a wonderful life. And his enthusiasm and participation changed everything. You see, Costner was coming off of two major films, major hits. And the minute Costner came on board and did so enthusiastically, everyone else in Hollywood came running. James Earl Jones, Burt Lancaster, Ray Liotta, and others would jump on board. The positive effect of Costner changed everything. Suddenly, there was money, an interested studio, and energy. 
the movie A Field of Dreams would eventually be nominated for three Academy Awards, including Best Adapted Screenplay and Best Picture, and it would make $65 million during its debut. Now, you see, what Costner chose to do was see the best in the script. He saw the potential. Others who read the script could only see the negative, the differences, the weaknesses. But he chose the best in the story. And as a result, a masterpiece was created. Now, throughout the filming, Costner kept his positive effect going. His positive energy helped them persevere and see through the film in difficult times. Just a few weeks ago, the New York Yankees and the Chicago White Sox met on the actual Field of Dreams farm created for the movie and played a game on the Field of Dreams. 8,000 people, Costner, others from the original movie cast, and other stars gathered for the event. The game was amazing, and it ended in a walk-off home run by the White Sox. It was perfect. All because a few people saw the good in a story. Now, just like Costner, we can choose to see the best in others and circumstances. We can choose to see the potential rather than the negative. And when we see the best in others in things and circumstances, those things change. We create positive effect. Now, positive effect, spelled A-F-F-E-C-T, is not the same as effect, E-F-F-E-C-T. In psychology, effect means a feeling, emotion, or specific emotional response. For example, if we used it in a sentence, it might be, the patient had a flat effect throughout the therapy session. So an effect is a resulting emotion or state of being. Now, the Latin meaning of effect is disposition. So you may think of positive effect as positive disposition. Costner's impact on the film, for example, and those around him was to create a positive disposition among all those involved. Now, wouldn't it be wonderful to have more positive effect in the production of your life? And if so, how do you create that positive effect or disposition? Well, we could take the steps outlined in a recent Inc. Magazine article on the topic that says to create more positive effect, give more, smile more, help others, say thank you, etc. And while all of this may make for a snappy magazine article, let's start with just a few principles from psychology research. The first is the constructionist principle. Now, the constructionist principle is this. Words create worlds. And it's true, they do. We live in a state in which language and conversation tend to guide our view, create our belief window. The renowned Jewish teacher, Abraham Joshua Heschel, is credited with the phrase, words create worlds. He used the phrase often with his students. You see, he was born in Poland in 1907, and the Nazis would eventually kill his mother and three of his sisters. The Gestapo deported him from Frankfurt, Germany in 1938, and a few years later, he made his escape to America. Once here, he settled in New York City, where he instructed seminarians, future rabbis, to speak out against social injustice. The Holocaust, he knew, was originally created with words, words of hate and blame and propaganda by those seeking political power and advantage. Only after these words inflamed public sentiment did the Nazis construct their crematoria and concentration camps? You see, words create worlds, for better or for worse. In 1963, Heschel shared the speaking stage with Martin Luther King Jr. 
And they mutually recognized a connection and they became friends and confidants. Two years later, Heschel walked arm in arm with King as they led thousands on a civil rights march from Selma to Montgomery. Here again, he believed that the words he used and that King used could construct a culture and a country. Now think about our world today. Words are creating worlds. Unfortunately, it seems that negativity and judgment and criticism are creating a world of divisiveness and differences and delusion. And I don't know if you've felt that way in our world lately, that negativity and judgment and chronic criticism are creating this world of divisiveness, but I do. It seems that a plague of negativity is all around us. And in this midst of all of this, it's easy to feel discouraged and down. But we can use words to create a different and a better world. You know, if you travel to Washington, D.C., the most obvious sight you'll see, even from a distance, is the Washington Monument. It's an awe-inspiring reminder of George Washington's greatness. The monument, like the man, stands in no one's shadow. A joint resolution passed on July 5th, 1876, commissioned the building of the monument. The height of the structure is 10 times the width of the base and stands 555 feet, five and one quarter inches tall. And by law, no building in Washington, D.C. can be taller than the monument. Now, atop the monument is an aluminum cap. And on that cap, there is an inscription, two words, Laus Deo. In Latin, means praise to God. These words stand taller than any other in the city. Praise to God. Be grateful for what you have. Give thanks. Give praise to God and other people. Give praise rather than criticism. Choose the positive before the negative. Wouldn't it be awesome if we let these words create the worlds of our country and our lives? The wise rabbi Hashel based his teachings that words create worlds on the first chapter of Genesis, where God's words created the world, light, sea, land, and sky. And it's no different for us today. Our words, the ones we speak, we read, hear, construct the light and reality of our life. So, if this principle is true, then think about the words that you are creating in your life, in the world around you. Do they result in positive effect or an appreciative disposition in the live productions that you're involved with? This is Human Development 401. This is advanced stuff. And few of us ever get a course on how to speak constructively. And we don't realize how much of the brain development of those in our family and on our team is defined and developed by our words. Words can change a life, melt a heart, give a gift. Here's a simple example. Have you ever been to the Golden Gate Bridge? The bridge is 1.7 miles long, making an over and back trip perfect for most joggers who love an early morning San Francisco run. Like most days, on March 11th, Kevin was working the bridge. Kevin Briggs is a California Highway Patrol officer assigned to the bridge, and he loves the sounds of the bridge, the metal creaking against the wind, the traffic, the horns from the big trucks headed into the city, and cargo ships passing underneath. He loves the birds squawking above, and in a quiet, rare moment, you can hear the sea lions barking on the cement footings below. Now, the bridge stands 750 feet tall at its tallest point, and the roadway, 
is 220 feet above the water. And as such, it is the most used suicide destination in North America. Unfortunately, hundreds come to the bridge each year intending to make the last decision they will ever make. Now, Kevin Briggs enforces the traffic laws, but at other times, he's all that stands between life and death for many people. On that brisk March day, depressed and in debt, another Kevin came to the bridge. Kevin Berthea was depressed, no job, in debt, and his daughter had just been born premature, and he was given a bill for $250,000 for the medical costs. His plan? To climb over the rail of the bridge, put his back to the open air, and just let go. But as he stepped over the rail, Officer Briggs came into the picture. Now, the officer's job is not to force, but to listen and share. So he asked Kevin, how are you doing? What's your name? And not too far into the conversation, he asked his most pertinent and impactful question. It's supposed to be nice weather tomorrow. What are you doing tomorrow? Now, why is that the most impactful? Well, Officer Briggs says most people haven't thought that question. And when he uses the word tomorrow, it causes them to think differently, to construct a different thought pattern. Thought of tomorrow, he says, changes everything. So for 92 minutes, Kevin listened to and asked questions of Kevin. You see, Kevin Berthea came to the bridge isolated and rejected and unworthy, and he left validated with a newly constructed reality. Officer Briggs literally pulled him back to life. And Kevin and Kevin would soon become fast friends and now are both working together to help others in similar situations. They work together in using words to create new worlds for those who need it. Notice, it was positive words and questions that changed Kevin. Words have power. I expect you've probably heard that in two minutes, the sun gives us enough power to meet the energy needs of the entire world for a year. Imagine that. Two minutes of sunlight powers the entire world for a year. Words are no different. A few words can change an entire life, and in some cases, fuel drive for a lifetime. Do you believe words can make a difference? I do. My favorite movie is the movie entitled Miracle. Now, Miracle is the story of the 1980 U.S. hockey team and their journey to the Olympics in Lake Placid, New York, where they would eventually upset the Soviet hockey team, who at the time was the most dominating force in hockey. The U.S. team was led by Coach Herb Brooks. Brooks had a team of young college players. The Soviets, on the other hand, used their best professionals. And to give his team of young college players a sense of what they had to accomplish at the Olympics, Brooks arranged for an exhibition game in Madison Square Garden 10 days before the Olympics against the Soviets. His team was beaten soundly, 10 to 3. Now, one of the issues in that loss was the U.S. goalie, Jim Craig, was not playing to his potential. And after the game with Russia, Coach Brooks confronts the goalie. At issue was whether Craig was really giving it everything he had, his heart, his full commitment, his talent. But something changes in Craig and the other players between that loss and when they would meet the Soviets again a few weeks later. Before playing Russia in the Olympic semifinals, Herb Brooks gives the team this now famous pregame speech. Listen to the worlds created with these words that Coach Brooks gave to them 
before they got on the ice that night. He said, great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight, boys. That's what you've earned here tonight. One game. If we played them 10 times, they might win nine, but not this game. Not tonight. Tonight, we skate with them. Tonight, we stay with them and we shut them down because we can. Tonight, we are the greatest hockey team in the world. He continues, you were born to be hockey players, every one of you, and you were meant to be here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. Now in that semifinal game, the Soviets had 39 shots on goal and only scored three times. Craig blocked 36 shots from the best team in the world. An amazing effort. The U.S., by contrast, only had 16 shots on goal, but scored four points, beating the Soviets, and they would go on to win a gold medal. Words do create worlds. Now, this leads us again to your world. Each day, you and I have a choice in what words we use with those around us. We can be constructing something positive and appreciative or something else. You know, as a parent, you can choose words that create a positive effect. Gratitude words, optimistic words, and building words. Would your children be different if they heard more of these words each day? Of course they would. Carol Dweck, in her famous book about building a growth mindset in children, says words make all the difference. She says that we often use words that judge, and this can be harmful. And this causes children to think of themselves in terms of success or failure. And she coaches us on how to use the right words to give children a mindset that they can grow and improve. For example, instead of saying, this paper that you've colored is really good, use words such as, What's interesting about your paper is how you made the edges blue and the interior green. Why did you do that? Or you work so hard for this. That's great work. Her advice is to be specific with praise and let them know by your word choices that they don't have to succeed to be okay, that they can find joy in the pursuit of success or in hard work or something good. So choose words that construct potential. Now, on to our next principle for creating positive effect in our world. The next principle is this, the positive principle. Positive or appreciative thinking and mindset creates a positive core to us and to any endeavor we're involved in. You see, each day we have the choice to see things from a positive angle or not. You've heard two men look through the self-same bars. One saw mud and the other stars. This is a true principle, and can and does create positive effect in those around you. Now, wouldn't it be powerful to become a person who habitually uses appreciative words and chooses the positive in things that come our way each day? Think about it. Each day, dozens, if not hundreds of situations or opinions or people come our way. Each time, we can choose how to react, think, and respond positively. Now, I've learned that in each of these instances, we have a choice. We can choose to give the benefit of the doubt, be grateful, be positive, and choose words to respond that construct a positive world. We can choose to focus on the good things, no matter how small they are. This is a simple habit that will change your life. In each situation in your day, choose one good thing to focus on. This works, I promise. 
So for example, when they get your order wrong in the drive-through line, when your friend lets you down, when your friend talks poorly about someone else, when your teenager has a meltdown moment, when your boss isn't perfect, in each of these situations, you can choose one good thing. You see, in any situation in life, we can choose the positive view. Didn't get your way? Choose the positive. Perhaps you learned something new or helped someone else have their way. You served them by doing that, right? Are you facing a setback? Well, maybe it's an opportunity to learn. Are you changing employment? Well, it's a wide open frontier for you to discover the new things about yourself. In each instance, we have a choice. I learned this lesson when I was in high school. I went to a Sunday night lecture of the mother of a girlfriend, and she taught this principle to choose the positive thing in any situation. So the next day I went to work. And at the time I delivered flour. Yes, I I drove a truck that delivered 50 pound bags of flour to restaurants and bakeries and other places. And when I got to work, the truck had been loaded the night before and it was loaded backwards. You see, I had a defined route and the truck was loaded so that I could take the flour off in order. Now, Because it was loaded backwards, this would usually upset me. But I remembered the lesson from the night before and thought about the positive. I thought, wow, I get to drive the route backwards, something I'd never done before. Could be interesting, right? And off I went. Unfortunately, the state prison was my first stop. Now, when you make a delivery to the prison, your truck is searched as you come into the prison and as you leave. The search on the way in was no problem. It went smoothly. I drove to the dock and the inmates helped me unload the flower. As I left, however, and arrived at the gate to exit the prison, the guards came to search my truck. Now, usually the flower was loaded, so the last thing on the truck was the prison's delivery. That way I could leave the prison with an empty truck. Made it easy to search, right? But this day I had a full truck of flower bags. And this meant the guards had to climb in and search between all of the flower bags. They were livid. They swore up a storm and called me every name in the book, insulted my mother, me, and my posterity. And they made me wait 30 minutes just to rub it in. As I sat there, I thought, how do I see the positive in this one? But I did. I learned that doing the right things the first time is important. I learned that I never wanted to be employed as a prison guard. I got a 30-minute nap. And as I chose the positive, my list of things I appreciated started to grow. And as I left the prison, I genuinely apologized to the prison guards and told them how grateful I was for them and for their patience with me that day. When I said this, you should have seen their faces. One of them started to smile, laughed a little, and told me to get the blank out of there. Have you ever spent time with appreciative people? Life is so much better when they're around. So what positive lens can you place on your belief window to help you color your thinking in a positive view, such that you authentically become a positive thinker, questioner, and person. You know, Scott Adams is the creator of the Dilbert comic strip, and he tells this story from his early days as a cartoonist. He said, when I was trying to become a syndicated cartoonist, I sent my portfolio to one cartoon editor after another and received one rejection slip after another. Then, Sarah Gillespie, an editor at United Media, called to offer me a contract. At first, I didn't believe her. I asked if I would have to change my style or get someone to help me learn how to draw. And she said she believed I was already good enough to be a nationally syndicated cartoonist. Her confidence in me 
completely changed my frame of reference and how I thought about even my own abilities. And this may sound bizarre, but the minute I got off the phone with her, I could draw better. And there was a marked improvement in my work. You see, small shifts in our life from choosing the positive create seismic differences in the world around us. How do you generally put on the positive principle? Again, choose the positive in every situation. And you'll soon find that the habit of choosing the positive changes you. You become appreciative in your thoughts and language. Now, the definition of appreciate is the act of recognizing the best in people or the world around us and affirming strengths and potential. Another definition is to increase in value, like the economy has appreciated in value. So to be an appreciative person means you recognize the best in people in the world and seek to increase the value in those with whom you interact. Two great researchers on this subject asked these questions. What would happen if we all worked with the positive presumption that organizations and people are alive with infinite constructive capacity? For example, if in teaching, the teacher were to see students as who they could become rather than who they are, would they teach differently? If a parent deeply believed in and understood a child's strengths and potential, would the parenting be more efficacious? Likewise, if the leader takes as his or her priority the development of the followers and their capacity to achieve their potential, would the leading be different? Of course. Dr. David Cooperrider developed what he called the heliotropic hypothesis. He says that when presented with the option, people will move rapidly and effectively in the direction of positivity. It's the most illuminating and promising. His research shows that people, when faced with a choice, choose positive. This is true. We're attracted to the positive, aren't we? We feel better, do better, respond better, perform better with positive. And positivity does more than help us perform. It transforms. So as we wrap up today, what could you do in your life now to be a Kevin Costner to your life's production? How can you infuse positive effect into your world? Remember, words create worlds. And what if you spent tomorrow choosing and using words that created a reality of possibility and gratitude and positivity for those around you? And remember the positive principle. You can choose the positive in any situation. It's a choice. And once you get into the habit of choosing the positive, you become an authentically appreciative person. Well, thanks for being here today. And be sure to join us next week for another podcast as we learn to open our eyes to who and what we can become.